Welcome <laughs> to another episode, episode of, of Driving, Driving to the, the Res with your favorite hosts, Larry and Inelia. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey gals. Hi. Interesting topic today, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Tartaria. Tartaria. Or Tartary. Some, some tartary. people go, yeah. Tartaria or Tartary. I saw a picture of a map that had Tartaria or Tartaria in it. It was like middle of Europe or something. Yeah, there's a lot of information about where the name came from. And Tartars. what's this? Yeah, the Tartars, yes. Yeah. The Tartar sauce. <laughs> they like pickles <laughs> and mayonnaise. Uh, yes, the Tartars. And, um, but the name Tartaria or Tartaria is spoken to about in this podcast has nothing to do. Well, kind of, meh, some historians say it has a relationship. Others say it doesn't, but it was a name that was going to mean a previous worldwide civilization that was highly advanced and that for some reason got reset to a very basic society and social structure that we are taught in school was in place today. Not today, but you know, uh, all that stuff. Some time ago. Some time ago when everybody was running around in grass skirts, allegedly there was, we, we weren't. So anyway, that's the name and the topic of this podcast. Yeah. Shall I read a little bit of the article? Okay. Okay. Tartaria, or Tartary, is the name given to an alleged advanced world civilization that existed on Earth before ours. As I've travelled widely around Europe and the Americas, some of these claims fit perfectly well into what I have witnessed. In many ways... We're told the 1700s and 1800s looked like, and what we see in the world as architecture for those eras are very conflicting. So basically what we're told, you know, steam engine and how people lived and what they were up to, the whole thing about an industrial revolution and all that stuff, and what the buildings are like from those eras. It's, it's not doesn't fit. Doesn't yeah, they don't fit. match. They together. don't match, no. Even before that, there are structures that cannot be explained even with today's technological advances, as in we cannot build them at the moment with the equipment we have here today. Some photographs and paintings of the beers are also very conflicting. There is one of San Francisco in the 19... 1800s, for example, which is an empty area, just a little few tents and a couple of boats in the bay. Um, and there, wait, where is it? Oh, yeah. And while a few years later, I think the next picture that is in formal history is like three years later or five years later or even ten years later. There's a rendition of San Francisco as a fully built and bustling city. Which even today, to build one house, you can take about a year. So, to build an entire city, all of the um, um, services for it, the roads, everything, it just doesn't make any sense. We still don't know how the pyramids in Egypt were built, or when. They're, they were certainly recorded to exist before the 1700s. There are hundreds of pyramids around the world that now look like mountains. Some have been discovered and some have not. What happened between them being built and now? 
How come nature took them over, covered them in a thick layer of dirt, and were then forgotten by the populations in those places? Yet, and yet, there is something that does not fit into this. And this thing is that the articles and posts about Tartaria are grabbed by logarithms and highly promoted in all social media. When I see this happen, and others too, right, I get suspicious. What about Tartaria supports the light-dark paradigm? Do you want to unpack any of that stuff that we read so far? Well, <clears throat> um, my mind thinks about lots of things, you know. <laughs> I, I don't have anything to put into it yet. Okay. I'm In just itself... like enjoying you talking. <laughs> In itself, it does not mean that the whole Tartaria theory is wrong. And that's interesting to me because when I tapped into it originally from all those mass media uh, posts, especially in, in Telegram and also in the alternative media, the podcasts that we've been listening to and things like that, I noticed that it was getting a lot of traction. And I got, mm. and when I looked at it, there was a like a real weird conflicting data point for me it's almost like it's part right you know but not quite that thing you know anyway in itself it does not mean that the whole tartaria theory is wrong although some individuals who promoted it very heavily years ago have turned around and said they found evidence that we did indeed build all those amazing buildings around the world very quickly and with the technology and craftsmen that lived at the time when this happens, it reminds me a bit of the alien equation, that the alien experience and evidence is real, but when presented in the mass media, it is twisted and turned to support the disempowerment of the people. They use words such as aerial threat instead of UFO. What is it then about all these amazing grand buildings around the world and the technology and knowledge that was needed to build them at the time that we have forgotten about? The logarithm supports the theory that it was all built by a previous civilization, not ours who were very advanced and then died from something that covered most of the earth in mud. Now, there's a couple of things since writing this article that have come into my awareness or attention, mm. right? Yeah. And we'll talk about the mud thing later because we okay. experienced that. It was fun. Right. And it's a couple of things. For example, the thought that and the, the conflicting information we have around the landing in the moon in the 1960s. Okay, so it it feels similar to me because there's some data points that came in that feel somewhat accurate, but they're not, you know. And um, basically, okay, let me just give you the summary of it. Okay, tell me. Okay, so basically, we're told that there is enormous amount of miles between Earth and the Moon. Yes. Okay. I think you had know the exact number. <laughs> Don't you know the exact number? Not, a, no, not anymore. 93 million miles was the sun. The oh, okay. moon is something like 100,000 kilometers or something. Right. I don't know. Okay. So it's a lot of miles or a lot of kilometers, right? Yeah. And allegedly between Earth and the moon, there is nothing. Something we call space. And people even say the vacuum of space, right? Nothing. So, 
When you look at it from that perspective, technology built in the 1960s, being able to come out of Earth, travel through nothing, land on the moon, and without all those towers and rockets and things, take off from the moon and come back to Earth through the space and then land here. Actually, it didn't land. It had to kind of fall and a big uh, parachute inflate and things. Okay. Now, look at it from that perspective. And look at today, all the companies and people who have been trying to build rockets haven't actually left the atmosphere or the... Uh, I, can't, I can't remember that what that's called, the of Earth, the... the um, I can't remember what it's called, but it, they didn't go very far in those rockets. And a lot of those rockets actually failed to even take off. Okay? So, what that leads me to believe or what to think about, and also the other things about the traveling to the moon aspect were that um, all of the technology allegedly that they used got lost. All the plans and the schematics, they lost it all. I mean, that's not even possible. That's impossible. It cannot happen, but allegedly it did. And then the reports, right, from what they saw and whatever's. There's, and that's is when it becomes really interesting to me because even when I was a tiny little girl, my brother was obsessed with the landing, the moon landing. I think my dad had to buy a television for it and everything, which he didn't like to have in the house. I looked at it and I lost interest instantly. I thought he was watching a movie. And he kept telling me it wasn't a movie. And I'm like, eh, it's a movie. And I just couldn't get into it. And then he had lots of books and everything. I was looking at it and it never pulled me in. We should, It should have. By the, my personality and the way that I like to know how the world and everything ex works. But it didn't. So that was my personal kind of little red flies growing up. And then there, I saw a few years ago some videos that were allegedly what the, uh, the astronauts actually saw in, on the moon. And some recordings, audio recordings. And these were to do with an alien base, alien ship, and actual aliens that they'd met. And that the people in NASA already knew about it, and blah, blah, blah. And that they were told to leave immediately and not come back, so they did. And it, it begs the question, because when I saw those, I got the full-on, this is accurate, this is real. So they didn't match, you see? Yeah, those two. They didn't match. They didn't go, but they got there, got told not to come back. Exactly. And it they can't didn't. be both true. Exactly. It can't be both true. Unless you take the whole dynamic of you have to get on a ship, on a rocket, go into empty space and travel X amount of miles to get to the moon and land and then get a take off from the moon travel X amount of miles back to the Earth and land. If you take that aspect out of it, then the other 
might be more accurate. And the other being another form of transportation and the fact that there isn't that many miles between us and the moon, first of all, and most importantly, is not empty. Okay. It's more like an ocean. It's more like a plasmic ocean or even a liquid ocean. That's how it, that's what it's like. And the distance between us and the moon is not that big. It's quite small. And the distance between us and the sun is not very big either. So when we look at it from that perspective, it changes a lot of things. And the tapping into the nature of reality there in that aspect is something I explore a lot in the next book of the return series, mm-hmm. Planet of Entry. And, um, we, you know, the actual, that is all explored there. How actually do we travel through the universe, right? And what is the nature of the universe actually when there is no space or vacuum or emptiness? So a lot of those things, but the point to do with Tartaria here is that it feels very similar. It's almost like we were given a non-secular pretend story to get us from that, for the Tartaria thing, to where we are today. And we're not seeing the truth. So when I looked at it, why are we not seeing the truth? This is something I want people to explore. I have an idea that we can talk about after we finish the article of why we're not actually being told the the truth behind it, why the the real reason is not being expressed, as it were. Yeah, because I mean, you can't stop people from figuring things out, right? Exactly, yeah. Especially now that people are becoming more awake and stepping out of their hypnotic states, right? So. Um, okay, so uh, the, the part that I was just read, uh, read, the algorithm supports the theory that it was all built by a previous civilization, not ours, were very advanced and then died from something that covered most of the earth in mud. That part, a city covered in mud, we have seen, Larry and I have seen. As we traveled through Europe, we saw lots of cities that had a lower level where a previous city had existed and was now covered in mud, or the city had just been built above the old one to avoid floods. We can find that in the USA too, all Sacramento, a place that is built on top of a previous city, and there are some areas where one can still walk down the old streets and buildings below. The story is that they did a city above the other, one as the river would often flood. <coughs> so they lifted the city like 10 feet or 20 feet or something <coughs> in Sacramento. Rome also has some areas there at dig sites which have revealed the previous city. And more than once we asked our tour guys or the internet about the origin of a particular building, usually buildings that didn't quite fit in, and the people didn't know that part of the story. They knew of when it was claimed or restored, altars in somewhere or dedicated to a person or other, but what about their origin? Larry and I got curious because these buildings were different from the rest. And the grand cathedrals all over Europe are said to have taken hundreds or even over a thousand years to complete. At the same time that most people around the world were said to be living in the most primitive of conditions, including those in Rome. 
My conclusion from looking at this fascinating topic is that there certainly seems to be a different story attached to our cities and structures, such as the pyramids, around the world. But the Tartaria story is not quite accurate. There's something about that story in Tartaria that doesn't fit. It's just like the moon landing. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And like the Rome and the buried in the mud and things, I was just reading a little bit about a French fellow who traveled from Europe to Rome mm -hmm. because he wanted to go to the Vatican to look at the books. They had a library. Mm -hmm. And uh, it took 18 months to get from Europe. Must have been, he was in France, mm -hmm. to Rome. 18 months to travel there. How did he get there? Walked? No, it was planes, trains, automobiles, I don't know, whatever. No cars. He traveled overland, mm -hmm. so horses and whatever. I didn't get the details of how he traveled, but it took 18 months for him to get there. When he got there, he remarked that even though the city of Rome, which has and is continuously occupied for 23 millennia mm -hmm. or more, more, like there's people there and they've been there, so it's like they thousands and thousands constantly. Of years. It's one of the oldest cities being continuously inhabited. Mm -hmm. It's not like they abandon Rome and come back to it. Right. It's like always right. people there. Always, always people there. And when we went there in 1580, it looked like it was a city that was entombed. Like 1580? 1580, buried and entombed and yeah. collapsed and whatnot. But they still had the Vatican Library and he went in there and looked at the books. But in that time, the books were like, here's a book from China written in Chinese on some kind of paper that we don't know what this paper is, you know, <laughs> <laughs> some other paper that's real rough kind of paper. They're like, they have difficulties with the technology of paper, right? Oh, in 15,000s. 1500. 1500s. Okay. They have difficulties with the technologies of paper, right? And uh -huh. books are such a strange and wonderful thing. They're t chained to the table. Wow. So they can't go away, you know? Mm -hmm. But it, it did fit. say that he saw the city like it was entombed. Something had happened, right? Mm -hmm. Does, yeah. does it make sense? And remember the Agrippa building? That yeah. one wasn't buried. No. No, it wasn't. They say that it, in Rome, there's an inch of dirt a year accumulated from like wind and sand and leaves and everything. Yeah. But that doesn't count because, you know, they sweep it up every day. Exactly. And if you're using a road, a street every day, you're not going to let an inch of dirt that day to accumulate. It's not an inch a day. It's a millimeter a day because it takes an inch a year. Yeah. And... Well, there's more of that, right? And they said when he went there, this French fella, when a Roman wanted to build a place, they mm -hmm. just dug down a little bit until they hit the top of one of those pillars. And that would be their foundation. So how so did the those pillar pair... of stone under... Yes. That's like 80 foot tall. Yes. That's 80 foot deep in the yes, dirt. Yes, And they would build their house on top of the pillar right. to get to that. Right, So how did that get buried? Exactly. And remember That's that... That's not no inch in a year. Remember that soup place that we went to in England? And a soup place in England built on top of itself three times yes, over. Yes, three times over. And they had dug down to find the original kitchen of before the... Year one thousand uh, one before the year one it was before pre before Christ energy kind of thing. First of all, it was Bath, I think, and so that city was there way, way, way before as a city, because this was a city street and a city eatery. 
And the kitchen, they dug down really, really, really deep to get to the original kitchen. Which was the floor. Me, that was the ground. That was the ground. Now, you're telling me that those people never cleaned their kitchen so that year by year it got more and more covered in mud. Because the kitchen had been open ever since it started. Yes, it had never closed. So, these things just do not make sense. They just don't fit in. They just don't add up. They don't add up. And when we went to that dig site in Rome... It was streets and buildings and temples that were used and known through history that had been recently dug up from 30 feet of mud. Yeah. Or 20 feet. I can't remember. It was a lot of feet. It was a lot. It was a lot. We were in a deep, deep hole in there. And yeah, that's when we saw about the new buildings built on top, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And says, yeah, because the river, that famous river in Rome, floods every year and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, ah, doesn't make sense. It just doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit. If it flooded every year enough to bury that stuff, they wouldn't have built it there. Exactly. Because it would have flooded before feet. they built it. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If it floods 20 feet of mud every year, it just... Why would wouldn't, they build it there? You wouldn't. You wouldn't, you wouldn't build it there. I know what it's climate change. <sighs> climate change. That was no. it. No, it isn't. No. Okay, let me finish this article. I'm going to give you a theory to think about, okay? Okay, okay. All right. Okay. My conclusion from looking at this fascinating topic is that there certainly does seem to be a different history attached to our cities and structures, such as the pyramids around the world, but the Tatara story is not quite accurate. That's what we read before. By becoming aware of the disparity between the evidence and official story for the West, we begin to open up other possibilities of what may really be our past. Quote, who controls our past controls the future, end of quote, said Orwell. I think he also said something in the nature of, if you tell a lie big enough, people will believe it. I think he was saying, right? I don't know. Could have been. We're in all, we are in a hall of mirrors as far as our history is concerned. Let's start breaking out of it. Let's begin this discussion in our lives with the people around us. Let's do it in an open and inquiring way, a way that encourages information to be revealed. Let's do that and then revisit what we have discovered. Post what you find in our Telegram group and the links is going to be on the notes of the podcast. Okay, so here's the thing. When we start discovering this, we can very easily, because of the logarithms of the internet, fall into the whole Tartaria was a previous civilization, and that type of thing, okay? We can very easily go down that route. But quite honestly, it just doesn't feel right to me. It just doesn't resonate 100%, and it really reminds me of the entire moon thing. So when I put those two together, I don't talk about it in the article, I wanted to talk about it today in our podcast. Okay. When I put those two together, what I get is really... Fascinating. Are you listening? Yes. Are you listening? You ready for this? Okay, I'm listening. Okay. It has to do with hiding the true nature of our universe. Okay, how? So, I do have a little bit of data that I want to give you. It is also related to the whole discussion about is the earth round or flat? And I can tell you right now, it is neither. Okay? Okay. Okay. 
So I feel ready to release this because somebody already brought it up in one of our book clubs at Walk With Me Now the other day. And when somebody expresses it with words, I know the human collective is ready to receive it. Because if I tried to say it before, and I have done that before, I start to say things and nobody hears it. <laughs> so here it is. The earth, how we experience it, is a little bit like and the result of previous splits. The world, how we experience it, we think is a vast space. And it is. It's very big. It's a very big space. And we think it's the totality of reality. Okay? We think this is it. The totality of reality, especially on Earth, is what we believe is Western civilization and some primitive civilization. We might call it some Eastern civilizations and stuff like that. But basically modern civilization around the world. With five, how many continents do we have? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> a lot of continents, right? And stuff like that. So this is what we are programmed with since we're teensy-winchy little kitties in school. Okay. So imagine instead that when we chose to have a light-dark paradigm, and we know that, and we've spoken about, and even I have spoken about it in these terms, there was another group of people, another section of society at the time on earth who decided not to have a light dark paradigm. And when I look at them and there's access points and we call them Lemurians, right? But they're not like a race or anything. It's just people on earth of all the races who decided not to have a light dark paradigm. And when we looked at Lemuria, we, when we explored Lemuria, I always felt, it's not quite accurate to say because I never actually qualified it, but it felt as though we were looking at a minority. The minority of people on Earth decided, a minority, decided not to have a light-dark paradigm, okay? And they removed themselves from our awareness field. They moved outside of our awareness field, and we call it inner Earth or a different dimension in this timeline and things like that. This is how we can explain it from our perspective. But what if they didn't? What if what happened was that a part of Earth was isolated and everybody who chose a like that paradigm was put there and keeps being reborn there to have that experience of free will of a like that paradigm? What if the majority of Earth and the rest of Earth is actually still in a path and a time and a decision of natural frequencies of expansion of awareness and high frequency, and we're in a kind of a little island. In a little island. And the rest of Earth, which is way, way, way bigger than we think it is, is the rest of Earth's society, which we might call Lemurians and other things. Or Tataria. Or Tartaria. And yes, or Tartaria, that's it. So we go back. So when everybody who, when this location on Earth was decided to be um, kept for individuals who wanted to have an experience of light dark, 
Everybody who wasn't, the great majority of societies, moved out. But of course, they left all of their buildings behind. Right? Oh, look at that eagle. So a lot of this stuff was covered up to see, okay, so, so to let them have that experience, right? Let's cover it all up and they can rebuild. Or sometimes the stuff didn't get covered up and it was left. So some sort of explanation or stories were built around them by the people who stayed behind. Right? But it's not an ancient civilization. It's a civilization that is still going and modern and advanced, but outside of our territory. Right? And... It's like super exciting because if you think about it from that perspective, then when we look at the split and we think, oh my gosh, you know, only two billion and a half people out of seven billion have decided to be, actually, I don't know the numbers, I think it's less, <laughs> um, have decided to continue or to have a high frequency experience on earth, right? It's actually the whole territory is being reverted back to this natural frequency and everybody that wants to continue in a light dark paradigm has to do it somewhere else in another creation in another planet or whatever right so i know it's a lot of information right and gaia's giving a a, a yes with a big ass eagle flying around <laughs> on the lake near our house right now so what do you think about that? Well, I think that part of understanding the true nature of reality is understanding the true nature of reality, right? Yes. So when you study or you look at things like uh, how you're born and you think uh, in the mode of pure physical world, just the physical feeling, stuff, touch, you can touch. Mm -hmm. When you just take the physical component into, into play, then <clears throat> that leads you to a bunch of answers that are all not always true, but they are true enough for where you are. Mm -hmm. right? it's Can true you give enough. an example? It's true enough if you touch the table, it's solid. Mm -hmm. feels solid. Yeah. But at the uh, atomic level, it's not, right? right. It's right. mostly nothing. Right. And the, how do the atoms in the table, no, the atoms in your fingers are not the same things. They, like what, so physical charge and vibration and frequency and things like that, but at a, at, at a quantum level, right, you're, it's all made of one stuff, right? <laughs> so how does it stop? At the yes. physical level, it stops. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a solid table. Mm -hmm. Similarly, the physical planet that we experience at a solely physical level, mm -hmm. right, has answers that you could find at the physical level that will reinforce whatever decision you think you've got. Like, it's an inch a year of dust, and so that's why the things are 10, 20, 30, 40 feet underground. <laughs> because I can measure it takes an inch a year, and it, it adds up, right, over yes, time. Yes, yes. Enough so that you can say, yeah, good enough, I'll hang my coat on that. Mm -hmm. That's the world I live in. Mm -hmm. It's uh, always, you know, whatever. But yeah. if you include the spiritual aspect of, like, how do you incarnate? Why do you incarnate? What are you that it's incarnating? What's your consciousness and your awareness? And what is the spiritual nature of reality? Mm -hmm. Then things start opening up a little bit, 
right? Mm -hmm. So we have a place to incarnate, to have experiences yes. within a set of rules and structures. Yeah. It's like when you play the video game. I don't know if you ever do this, but I do it all the time. You play a video game, one of the flying an airplane or whatever's, and you just go one way forever, right? And see if you can run out of computer video. <laughs> like, okay, I'm going over the water. Well, let me do this forever, or what happens? Yeah. And some of them stop. You hit the wall. The edge, it just won't yeah. let you go no more. Yeah. And other ones, it just doesn't seem like it ever ends. It just keeps on keeps going. going. Yeah. And other ones, it loops you around and starts you at the other end, and then you come back from the other side. Yeah. It's like you hit a spot, and then it respawns you on the other end. Yes. And you start to think that the rules and the arrangements that we made, like you said, to have a certain set of experiences, light darks and splits and things like that, having the reality here, the physical one, mm -hmm. establish itself away mm -hmm. and change mm -hmm. to have another game and change to have another game. How do the splits occur? How do they look to the people who are in it so that they aren't what they were? Mm -hmm. Right? Because in a way, um, like we've heard with near-death experiences, if you remembered all of your previous incarnations and you had your memory of all of your incarnations present, you would be a, have a pretty tough time making the current things meaningful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they aren't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're meaningful for you right now, yes. but over the billion years or whatever you know yeah. 10 million incarnations or, or even 10 incarnations yeah. they're less right less yeah. meaningful less meaningful yeah. so similarly if the planet isn't actually physical and it's a a very nice not simulation but a very nice experience place mm -hmm. you don't want it to not be that mm -hmm. and the evidence would suggest that these things don't add up so when you start digging, you find things are less solid. Mm -hmm. And you find that these guesses that people made or said, they're not based on anything, but somebody guessed it. And then the the repetition machine said, yep, that's the one. <laughs> yes. The one that you said, like, uh, you look up Tartaria and yeah. the algorithm says, yep, keep looking there. That's a good one. Look yeah, there. that's a good one. That's yeah, a good go, one. There, go, there. go there. Go there. Go there. Because yeah. it hides the actual one away. It hides it and it, drive, it drive, takes you down that ruin, rabbit hole. that doesn't ruin your game. doesn't ruin your game. Right. right. So that's that's part of what comes mm -hmm. to me with this this discussion is we're okay with the thought that a couple hundred years ago, you know, you can't get your clothes to this lake without getting in a canoe in Nia Bay and <laughs> having your stuff paddled here. Yeah. Um, but seven, eight hundred years ago, we can build a 500 foot tall cathedral for 200 years. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Yeah, those things don't add up, right? No, they don't. No. Yeah. So I think that it's worthwhile to understand some people want to have the experience of the split that they don't know it's a split. Mm -hmm. They're just enjoying their experience. Yeah. And then they have a different experience. Yeah. And some people, um, they're curious about it. Mm -hmm. It's like, what's really going on here? And they kind of bring about the split, I think, in a sense of uh, 
in the sense of uh, <clears throat> bring in the rules that will be for the new space. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's called embodying the new paradigm. Right. right. They embody the new paradigm yeah. and then it they is. They live it, yeah. They live it within themselves, watching and becoming mature emotionally, mentally, physically mature, you know, in order to be able to choose and be in control of what your experiences are. And and then having that knowledge of how we create our reality, we can also become aware of a larger reality. And as awareness expands, we can see more, right? We can see more. And the incarnation algorithm yeah. makes those bigger. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that a lot this we month. Are? Yeah. Oh, wow. In our class for February 2023, it's about reincarnation and escaping the cycle of life and death. <laughs> That's so we can talk a lot about <laughs> incarnation then too. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, birth and death. Yeah, well, this conversation takes you a lot of places. It does. Yeah, it's very fascinating. And it really challenges a lot of strongly held beliefs. beliefs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is okay. So go to Telegram channel. All right. Yeah. Comment on it. Oh wait, what about the rest of this conversation? Oh, we've yes. only talked for half an hour. Yes. I mean, there is a part two that is two. much more expansive, and it comes right after this. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So if you're subscribed to Subscribe Star, walk with me now. That's the two places. Rockfin and Rockfin. Either, you can, uh, any of the all of them. Yeah. You can be any on Rockfin and you can get the second hour. Yes. Rockfin's like nine bucks a month and then you got everybody's premium content. You yes. can watch our second hour. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much that is actually. Yeah, it's nine ninety nine. Oh, okay. Like that. All right. And there's Subscribe Star. The Subscribe Star that you can get yep. a second hour. Second hour, Subscribe Star that gets yeah. you a forum and yeah. Subscribe Star thing, a question and answers, the second hour podcast and Whatever else you put on there. Mm -hmm. And then Walk With Me Now, which is community building. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Very, very, very uh, co-created with individuals yeah. who are in it. Lots yeah. and lots of nice stuff happens there. Okay. So the second hour is going to be starting any minute now. 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 <laughs> Love you, darling. Love you. All right. That was an amazing first part. If you also had your mind blown, you have to join us for the second hour where we get deeper into the discussion. Yes, we will look at the true shape of Earth. Mm -hmm. And you won't believe it, but Inelia has a painting of it. Wink, wink. <laughs> we'll talk more about the moon and the ship part right next to it. And we will look at various explanations for civilizations that seem to have simply vanished. Yes, think of the Incan Empire, for example. So, jump on Subscribe Star or Rockfin. See you there! Bye! Bye.